Grotto Pod. I am in the Grotto Pod, and guess who else is here? Hello. It's Lee Kravitz. Yay! I'm back. Where's Larry? I, I don't know. He's goofing off. He's always goofing <laughs> World off. World traveler. Um, yeah, but he couldn't goof off too much because, of course, I couldn't get any of the stuff to work. Oh, no, really? And the whole thing, yeah, it was like spaghetti. It was awful. I had a nervous breakdown because I'm not like an um, electronic person. I'm not either. I'm not even sure we're really recording right now, are we? Oh, Jesus, don't say that. Oh, I probably shouldn't say that. Excuse me, everyone. Um, <laughs> we are because I can see the little bars going up and down. You can't see them. Hot science. Um, <laughs> I had to send Larry a picture. Like, is it working? <laughs> so it wasn't working, and we went back and forth, and he was going to dinner at a different time zone. Where is he? Should I say? Yeah, throw it he's out in, there. Well, he's in a country. No one's going to find him. He's in Switzerland. Oh, look for look for Larry in Switzerland, everybody. <laughs> Follow Larry on Instagram. He's really good on Instagram. Oh, don't let me forget. We got to take a picture. Oh, no with worries. Our guest Yang Wang. She is going to be. Ex- uh, she's great. I cannot wait to to have her. I know in she's so her. awesome. And believe it or not, uh, she was one of my first Facebook friends. You knew her way back when. Way back when. Um, we don't. I mean, we know each other in passing. I literally think I've seen her. I've seen her at like readings. Yeah. But I have not had a conversation with her since 2009. Well, she's become quite a conversationalist <laughs> since then. I'm sure. So. I hope so. I hope so. But um, <laughs> I was. She was one of these people. So we brought bread loaf together. And she was one of the people, Vanessa Waugh was also one, and um, Reese Kwan, who I was super intimidated by and didn't really talk to. Oh my God. Every one of those people has gone on to be remarkable, including you. You have become very remarkable. Thank you for stepping through that door I just opened for you. Oh, you're so lovely. Thank you. Well, um, I have to say, I did have a nervous breakdown uh, at Bread Love. I'm sure I'm not the first. Oh, nice. Tell us. Oh, God. That was so bad. Sorry. Um, <laughs> oh, but you know what? I think that might be Yang. Is she here? Uh, well, it's an East Bay number. I'll listen to it in a second. But I just want to say that um, to everyone out there who goes to writers' conferences or maybe starts an MFA, you know, those people were and still are my betters in so many ways. And yet I have a book and she has a book. Yeah. So it, 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 it's part working. of the process. It's just part of the working. process. <laughs> you know, I mean, literally what I'm learning right now, and I've been doing this now for a while. And you and I have been talking to, to, to writers for a long time, and yeah. we, we are surrounded by them. Part of the process is just banging your head yes. against a rock correct, over and over and over again. And then sometimes something good comes out of it. And in the end, it's if you just keep working, it works. You know what happened to me this week that's similar, though not at all writerly? Or, or, What's that? But it just reminded me of writing. Yeah. Was that... Um, I post, I post every day and if you want to see you, I see this. Follow me on Facebook. I post a woman artist every day and, um, I posted a painting from the Baroque of a woman from the classical world stuffing her rapist on a well. It it seemed timely. It it seems, I don't, I I, I think that is very timely. (laughs) I've, I've actually posted this exact same painting before, but this time it got shared over 15,000 times. It, from you, from your post? Yeah. It, holy cow. I know. Cow. It's never happened before. But that's... And I said to my husband, it's just like writing. Like, why yeah. did Broad Strokes work when for 20 years... Right. You've been was, working on this. And I you know am. you know what it is? I think uh, I think it was the great Henry Winkler who said yes. when he won his, uh, his Emmy last week, he said, if you stay at the table long enough, the chips come to you. Yes. And I think that's exactly oh, it. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. That was a great place to stop that's Yang. Now ringing she's ringing the doorbell. Uh, could you go open it since I'm in Larry's seat now? And you can't get out. I can't get out. Okay. I'll be right back. Okay, bye. 
Okay, I got a little distracted by the phone call because I'm excited. Yeah, because she's here now. And she's here. She is um, getting ready to enter the grotto pod. Yes. Which means taking off your jacket. Because it's flipping hot in here. It's so hot. It was so hot an hour ago. I left the door open for an hour. Oh, really? Yeah. We just need to get some sort of ventilation. No, but you can't have it because then you hear it when it's being recorded. Well, just add it to the ambiance. <laughs> Maybe so. In our excellent recording. Hey, but I realized I forgot to say what Yang has out right now. Yes, what is her book? Um, her book is a fantastic uh, story collection called My Old Faithful. They're interconnected stories, which is my favorite kind. Yay. And it's the winner of the Juniper Prize for Fiction. That's incredible. I know. It's so amazing. Also because um, her novel, Living Treasures, uh, won the Nautilus Book Award. So I want to talk about that. Like, it's kind of nice to have, be batting a thousand. You know what? It, 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 it does. And there's not a bit, uh, not even a little small part of me that's a little bit envious or jealous because I've Why? never... Never gotten an award in I my life. I know me either. You know? Oh, I got a, an award. Did you hear about it? No. It's, I don't know if it's a real award or not, though. What is it? So, two days ago... Is it called the Pulitzer? No, that's why I'm not sure it's real. Oh, okay. But it's so awesome. It was um, Book Authority. Yeah. The website. Yes. Uh, chose Broad Strokes as one of the best art history books of all time. Holy cow. Really? I know. So, I don't care if it's real or not. You know, it doesn't even matter. Does it come with, like, like a little sticker or yeah, something? Yeah, it does. Then it's official. It's totally official. That's okay. great. Did I ever tell you that I thought Broad Strokes was about women who were having strokes? Oh, no, but I was invited to come give a reading where it turned out it was all about swimming. Uh. <laughs> so, oh, I'm going to work on hysterical. that for the next <laughs> And I realized right before I got there when yeah. I saw everyone else's <laughs> homonyms. <laughs> um, and also because I've written about swimming before. Yeah. Oh. It's understandable they thought it was about swimming. Did you feel like you were drowning? You were in, I had over to, your head? I had to very quickly find another piece to read. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but enough about me. Okay. Let's get Yang Let's in here. Let's get Yang in here. Okay. Yang Huang, welcome to the Grotto Pod. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Oh, it's <laughs> good, good to have you here. So you're local, right? You live in the East Bay? Yes. I live in Albany. I oh. work at Berkeley. Yeah. Ah, Albany. It's like the little slice of heaven between El, uh, was it El Cerrito and Berkeley. It is. What yeah. makes it the slice of heaven? I don't know Oh, this. my God. It's so great. I love Albany. Tell us about Albany. <laughs> so my school goes, I mean, my kids go to Albany Middle and Albany High. And I work for UC Berkeley. And we just love everything about Albany and the families, the sports teams. Yeah. Um, good friends. weather, I'm guessing. Yes, good restaurants. Restaurants. Really? That's what I'm Why thinking. is that? Oh so, my gosh. What's it called? Solano, Solano Avenue? Solano Avenue. Every restaurant is stellar. I, I need to go there. I'm taking you to Solano Avenue. I can't believe Well, it, this is also strange because just yesterday I found out I have to take my daughter to Albany. Why? So now I'm going to see a physical therapist. Albany, New York or Albany, nope. California? Albany, California. <laughs> okay, good. Well, I don't know about the physical therapist there. I'm sure they're great, but I will tell you that, like, Albany, like Solano Avenue is incredible. You throw a rock, yeah. you hit like All right. you hit people, but you also hit a bunch of restaurants. Well, I'm glad we <laughs> dove right into you talking about your kids because um, your book, My Old Faithful, is about families. Right. And I mean, you're it's not, so you've you've already said the ages of your children, so I guess it's okay that I talk about them a little bit. So it yes. sounds like they're teenagers. Yeah. Um, how long were you working on the interconnected stories in My Old Faithful, and has your picture of children changed over that time or young people 
I actually finished this book before I had children. Oh my gosh, what? So, <laughs> wow. It's been sitting for many years. Yeah. What made you decide to pick it back up again and dust it off and get it out there? Um, because a friend of mine won the Juniper Prize, mm -hmm. so I decided to give it a try. Oh I my gosh, that's in. how you won? Yes. Incredible. Holy cow. So tell us some more about the Juniper Prize and, and how that worked. Because we in our intro, we talked about how you... This book won and had your first book also won a prize and yeah. you're you batting know, a thousand doing really well yeah. so tell us about this prize and tell us about yeah your process here how the book got published well anything yeah. where do you want to go yeah so i finished the book a long time ago and it's about my teenage years not my children's uh -huh. it's right. about a chinese family uh, in china in the 80s and 90s mm -hmm. which presumably is very different from your children's right. teenage years right yeah. But, you know, um, the daughter immigrated to the U.S., so <laughs> there's some uh, autobiographical aspects to it, but mm -hmm. the stories are not autobiographical. Um, then I published all the short stories in literary journals, mm -hmm. but it's very difficult to get the book published. Especially story collections. Right. Yeah. Yep. And because it seems... It seemed so simple, and those stories don't, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. they're not loud stories. Yeah. And uh, it's ordinary life, but it was very endearing to me. Um, I heard about Juniper Prize many years ago. I knew you had a poetry prize. I never knew you had a fiction prize. Mm -hmm. I think it was relatively new because mm -hmm. Juniper Prize has been in existence for over 40 years. Yeah, I mean, it's well known. Yeah, mm -hmm. fiction is was like 10 years also mm -hmm. and a friend of mine uh, has he i forgot <laughs> I, I it's hard for me to pronounce That's her okay. last name she won and uh -huh. i met her at bread loaf yeah i loved her work i'm like i'll give it a try <laughs> <laughs> and i was so grateful that ed made it pick my book out of the pile That's isn't incredible. it incredible that you had it sitting for so long and then you submit it to a prize and it wins yes so, i couldn't believe it but yeah. then i realized there are many other books out there they are just waiting to be discovered and uh, when you write stories you should you know just write what's dear to you what's important so it doesn't go out of date it's i love so that well it's said. kind of evergreen but also frankly it's like we were talking about this, like, um, you know, you just work and you work mm -hmm. and you work and you work and you're honest and true to yourself and your voice and you, you just keep on going. And, and like you said, sometimes things get stuck in, the, in a slush pile yeah. and other times they get picked out. And right. I'll tell you, like when I walk into a bookstore, I mean, I can't tell you how many books that I see that I've never even heard of before that have been out for, for a while. Right. Um, and it's like, in, in, on the one hand, it's sort of encouraging mm -hmm. that there are so many books and authors out there. Right. On the other hand, it's a little discouraging because, you know, how, how do we rise above it? And maybe the goal is not to rise above it, but just to be a part of it. Yes. You know? I don't think we should lose heart. It is art that matters. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I love that you just said that <laughs> yeah. so much. Yeah. And um, because I can publish the story collection, I turned to writing novels. I wrote several novels and finally got one published before this one. But, but think, you wrote the novels after the short stories. Yes. Mm -hmm. I got published before the short right. stories. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was so grateful that this book uh, got published in the world. It kind of affirms what I could do well. And I kind of forgot about it Yay. <laughs> over the years. I, I so know, nice. You lose track and lose sight. I want to quote something. It's from Caitlin Salamini, uh -huh. who was at Breadloaf also in yes. 2009. I was there as well. Did you know that you were one of my first Facebook friends? Oh, <laughs> can you believe it? I know. Yeah, and how many Facebook friends do you have now? 
Uh, I don't, not that many, like but I do 12, recently. 13. I've, 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 I've availed you myself. You are always so familiar to me. I was like, that's yeah. why. That's <laughs> why we Facebook met at, does We that, met at Breadloaf, but I was telling Lee that you and Vanessa and oh. Reese, I was so intimidated by this group of women who I thought were amazing writers and they were all fiction writers. I know Reese didn't have a book yet either, neither did Vanessa, but I just, I was in that state of mind. And I think this happens to a lot of people where I felt like everyone knows what's going on and is good. And I'm a fake and no one knows it. Yeah. What's it going to be? Imposter I mean? syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, those women know what's going on <laughs> like, together. I can't believe you're saying this. It's oh, well, true. <laughs> um, and Caitlin was there as well. But anyway, uh, Caitlin and, interviewed you for a piece in, oh gosh, I can't remember. It was like a fiction review, fiction right? Um, yeah. For decades, I'm quoting you. Mm-hmm. For decades, I have kept my head down and done everything necessary to keep writing. I believe in grit and resilience, both in life and in writing. Oh, I wow. Like that. I, that's yeah. a tattoo that I have. Uh, <laughs> the whole Everyone thing on my arm. All yeah. writers need that. And it is true. Grit and resilience. So you came here uh, from China as a young woman. Yeah. And let, let's talk about grit and resilience because that's... Uh, and you write in English. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, t- tell us about that. About yeah. both. It's a long journey, and um, I, looking back, I just consider how lucky I am. Um, I came here with almost nothing. I had two suitcases, $100, and I went to pursue, um, you know, I went to study computer science in mm-hmm. uh, Florida LNT University. I, you know, uh, I had very little expectations about my <laughs> This, you know, I was uprooted from China. I never mm-hmm. saw an airplane up close until oh, wow. I got on one and I took two, four to uh, end in Florida. It's like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. I, it was like a journey to Mars. Right. And wasn't it so scary getting on the next plane, like finding it and stuff? It, I would have been lost. Totally. Yeah. yeah. The first airplane was in uh, Tokyo, of all places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand Japanese. Yeah. Actually, my English was very poor as well. So I was like, I had to take a shuttle. I was completely lost. <laughs> oh, that would my terrify gosh. me. And you I were you followed. were still a teenager, right? Yeah, I yeah. was nineteen. Were you by yourself? You were by yourself. I was, by, I was by myself. What and what brought you out? Um, because it was after June Fourth, mm-hmm. the Tiananmen Square massacre. Yeah, and yeah, it's just that you know, I'm not much to hope for. <laughs> right, and if and you want I, a certain future, right, yeah. and the women were discriminated in the workplace, and still they are. Yeah. Here too. Have you noticed that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Much better here. Is it? Okay. Yes. Uh, Alice's affirmative action. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like that in China. And this considers is right to, yeah. to it, discriminate. You know, women. it's interesting because when in the 80s, when I was growing up, I looked at places like China and Russia, these communist countries, as elevating women in right. the workplace. But that's not the case. Here's the thing. Um, they give them uh, education uh, yeah. opportunity, and girls outperform the boys in every subject. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I, I don't feel bad. I, I think it's, <laughs> it's wonderful. In fact, I, I would love to learn more. <laughs> I told my boys, I told them, you know, girls are smarter than you are, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to accept that is fine. Yeah, you're going to make friends with them, and you're going to respect them, and you're going to learn to work with them, and you're going to have a very good, happy, and productive life. Yeah. I, because, you know, I just knew and uh, all, through all my academic career, uh, girls just outperform the boys, you know, in all subjects, math, science, technology, everything. Yeah. So, but by the time they look for a job, 
they were, they were always discriminated because you know they're gonna have much take maternity leaves. Right. Mm-hmm. They were routinely passed over, and they would just say, you know, and too bad. <laughs> too bad. And you and you found the experience. Obviously, it's a very different experience in some regards here. But mm-hmm. being here, what was your experience like? It was eye-opening because I was one of a few uh, women engineers. I worked at IBM. Right. Yeah. There were so few of them. Um, it's almost the opposite here. The education piece wasn't there. Right. Right? Right. right. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's true. Right. Education. Yeah. I was also shocked that so few women study engineering because in China, women study engineering and they do better than boys. So well, I, I was... I was surprised. And that's such an important message because in America, I think both girls and boys are given this picture, like girls can't do math, girls aren't good at science, engineering is a boy's brain. Do you think? Well, I I think there's part of it. And also I think, um, yeah, it's sort of in the ether in some ways. Yeah, exactly. You can't can't put your finger on it, but it's like... It's there. I mean, listen, I I have friends of mine who work in the the tech industry here, Mm -hmm. in in HR in particular, and they are bending over backwards trying to bring in... Um, you know, women and people of color um, mm-hmm. to 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 into the engineering realm, and um, you know, even just and now they're actually going back and, and working with elementary schools and so middle smart. schools just to try to so in, you know let young young women right. know and people of color know that actually you can do this and this is mm-hmm. open to you, and then just planting that seed yes. will hopefully have benefits. You know, ten, fifteen, twenty years down the line. It was eye opening and. Uh... Well, I also had to watch myself because I was only female in a lot of work environments. So oh, I, yeah. I became very uh, cautious in a lot of ways. Yeah, like <laughs> eyes in the back of your head sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. I definitely had to perform and, uh, you know, and the way I hold myself and the way I dress and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any experiences that were like nerve wracking or kind of like shocked you or surprised you? Yeah. They actually uh, automatically assume you can do less than the male coworkers, even though, you know. I... But that is true, right? Is that how that works? I, you know, I read that. It's interesting you say that because I somehow expected you to say something like they were setting you up to fail, but actually they were doing the opposite. They were Ooh. thinking like, oh, poor Yang, we have to make sure she yes, can handle this. They were too nice? Is that what was going on? They were just... Well, that's not really nice, right? Oh, that's, they were saying we, yeah. That's just lame. Just lame. I, I mean, I'm just saying, yes, yeah, yeah, they yeah. just, here's more opportunity. Do it all. You know, yeah. the expectations were high. Yeah, they come to help me, and which is, you know, it's heartening and also a little bit humiliating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. So how is it for engineering people to hear, you know, so you're working a job, they know one side of you. Do they mm-hmm. know that you're a writer, or do you suddenly say, like, oh, hey, dudes, I published a novel? Question. That's the question no, I was asked, thinking. I just got restless because engineering was um, very hands-on, very concrete, very routine. And I got bored because I was young. I was in my early 20s yeah. and I had a lot of energy. And the fact that I never wrote in China, I didn't write any, I didn't write seriously because it was censorship, you know. Yeah. yeah. I had no privacy. And uh, I know that's scary actually when you say it like that. And you had, still had family there, right? No. No. Uh, okay. My, not, not my immediate okay. family. Okay. Yeah. So um, I was. I was very frightened to write. Yeah. It feels like you're asking for trouble. And no kidding. I mean, I get that even right now in the oh, United yeah. States, yes. right? Uh, like, just a, there's always this like thought in the back of your head. Like, is this okay to say? Can I say this? And so, but you know, and, and, mm-hmm. but if you're running in China, like, I mean, there are people who disappear all the time. Right. You know? But lawyers disappear on the way to the courthouse. Wow. 
Forever. Forever. Yes. Yeah. Can I tell you, who was the actress that was just made disappeared um, in China? Did oh you my hear gosh, about this? what? No. She, the most famous actress in China. Are you kidding me? Was just uh, just made disappeared. Really? Um, yeah. yeah. And they, they claimed that she was withholding. They gave her a, a, a tax evasion charge. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. For yeah, 70 yeah. Million, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. For $70 million. But did she disappear? She didn't. She's well, gonna, well, now she's back. Yeah. She's going to raise the money. <laughs> Right. But did she disappear herself, or we don't know? Like the, oh. the the story was like three months ago, she just vanished. No one right. could find her, and she wasn't you know she wasn't home. No one knew where to find yeah. her, and then all of a sudden, I don't know if there was public pressure, that, and then she came back out, and, mm-hmm. and they gave her this slapped her with this fine. Yeah. But I mean, even that is like it's very a scary. Huge fine. <laughs> yeah, seventy million dollars. Okay, so you're you you know you have this kind of possibility in the back of your mind, yeah. right? Like something I say could have real world repercussions. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what made you decide to write in English, or was it that yes. you just were living in English and it seemed that both. closer? Yeah, both. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel because I. Um, you know, I'm a good girl, and uh, I also <laughs> yeah. internalize the censorship. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like we were saying about math, right? Right. Maybe I just internalized girls are bad at math. Yeah. So I didn't become an engineer. Yeah. And if I read in Chinese, I'll get persecuted. Right. So it's just here. even it's there was just even a murder yeah. back then. Uh, yeah. It was uh, Zhang Nan. You know, it mm-hmm. was many years ago, oh when the time I came here, and he wrote about. Um, I forgot what he wrote about, but it's about some leader yeah. and some, um, you know, scandals. And he was murdered in the U.S. Oh my God! Oh wow! Yes. So even here, they can they can get you. Yes. Wow. Well, especially now, I guess everything is just so international. Look at the Russian thing. Oh, I know, in the U.K. and all that sort of stuff. But when you're writing in English, I mean, uh, obviously you're completely fluent. You do your whole life in English, but. Is there some part of you that sometimes thinks like, oh, damn, I could have this other layer of reference or something? Or is it freeing in a different way because you don't have the... Yeah. Actually, interestingly, um, as a teenager, I was a fan of French literature. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I... You know, I grew up reading political propaganda. Yeah. All the stories were one-sided and inevitable or larger than life. It was yeah. all melodrama, allegory, bigger than life. Yeah. And that's just not my job. Bad art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Bad art. People yeah. are just hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but your stories are so subtle. And like, as yeah. you say, like a slice of life, it's, it's, it's exactly, it's almost like it was in response to those sorts of stories. Right. You know? So it's my rebellion, actually, uh, to tell an ordinary story, like an honest, unflinching betrayal mm-hmm. of ordinary life. It's actually a radical political act. It is. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? Talk about everyday normal life is a radical political act. Right, because I refuse to get hysterical. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> You don't seem like a hysterical type of person to be honest. Yeah, it was hard for me to read these things. And I just didn't actually have a lot of interest in literature at the time. Yeah. Until I read Victor Hugo. Yeah. Even though his novel was romantic, but it's personal. Mm-hmm. I thought this is just, um, could show us what literature could do. It right. moved me. And I thought I was one of them. So after that, I just stopped reading Chinese literature, especially the modern ones. And I went yeah. to um, foreign literature and translation. So I've been reading translation since I was a teenager. 
I always wanted to write in a foreign language. I wanted to. So interesting. I wanted to immigrate to France and write in French. That was my dream. Oh my gosh. I, I can't imagine anything harder. I'm terrified by <laughs> French. Oh my God. It's so hard. Yeah. I imagine I was French. I don't know. <laughs> but I know, I know exactly what you mean. I loved those French novels. Yeah. I found them to be almost like soap operas, but in the highest sense. Like, yeah. like I, you, I just, I felt like I became part of those lives. Yes. When you read those books. I've got to get into that. I've never, I've never oh done my that. My, my, uh, you know, my, my mm. French literature is, is, is <laughs> I'm not up to, to speed on that stuff. Yeah. Um, but here in the U.S., I I got bored, so I started to I, I want to improve my English because writing was not even, you know, on the horizon. Yeah. It's, it's just too far. I was my English was not even proficient, so I decided to I was debating if I should take some communication class or English courses. Yeah. I thought, okay, I'm gonna go for the hard one. Yeah, of course, <laughs> which is what, yeah, English what, is a hard one, or the communication is English the hard is hard. One. Oh, yeah, because yeah. communication is just for business for oh, I see. Life. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I start. and then I'm going to write a novel, <laughs> right? So it's like not only am I going to like somewhat become somewhat proficient in this, but I'm literally going to put master the language, master the language, and put it between two covers and, and put it out there. I didn't think that far, but Thank I took one step at a time because otherwise I'll I get really anxious. Right, you know, it's I'll, too I'll much. Beat myself up. And you know. Did, were you thinking at that point about I'll write a story someday? I know you were talking. Yes. About, yeah. So being a writer was sort of. It's always sort of there, the creative right, spark. Right. I always thought I, I would write on my own terms, not necessarily write something perfect mm-hmm. or commercial, but I'm going to write something that's raw and honest and, you know, reflect my error, you yeah. know, social moray, and uh, I want to tell my stories. I think I always was a closet storyteller. <laughs> that makes sense. But what I'm, why I'm interested to hear a closet storyteller is that storytelling is like a muscle that you mm-hmm. use and develop and I mean, I grew up in a kind of Irish-American culture where storytelling is this very verbal thing. Yeah. How did you develop storytelling in the closet? I just experienced the life as fully as I can. I, I think love you that. know. <laughs> so beautiful. Because I started writing really late, so I just put myself in the you know and just feel it, experience everything, you know, sadness and the betrayal, loss. Mm-hmm. How late is late? Really late. I wrote my first short story when I was 26. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's not too no, bad. No, it's then. not too late, everybody. Not even close. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It was so terrible. I didn't even know what a point know. of view was. <laughs> no, I knew nothing. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. I want to write an epic English short story. That's what, because you don't know writing. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. That's yep. right. But now here you are. You've, you've got this book. Mm-hmm. Are you going to continue in this vein moving forward in terms of your storytelling? Are you going to do like the, the small stories in the slice of life? Did this? Or what about these other novels? Are they going to get published? Yeah, where are you with that? <laughs> I published one novel. I'm working on a new novel titled Oasis. I've worked on it for a number of years already. Yeah. Um, you know, the love story kind of haunted and, and grew with me. Yeah. And... Now I have this short story. I look, read my own story and see what I could do. And I want to hold myself to a high standard that mm-hmm. my novel should have this arc and uh, emotional intensity. Yeah. Like the stories. And it's, it's hard to do because it's oh hard to God. hold the whole book in your brain. But I just I, think I it's, it's a worthwhile challenge. I can't <laughs> imagine... Um, writing a novel you're writing a novel right now yes yeah yeah. and that's why because just this giant arc yeah i don't know how and also when you do a rewrite 
It just seems so overwhelming. Oh, there's so many pieces and moving so pieces. So much of my work is just chapter, 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 chapter. I mean, yeah. there is an overall arc, but I yeah. can work on each piece. In, in each a, piece of it. Yeah. Thing. Well, I'll tell you, like, um, no, it's, it is massive, but I can't do short stories. Like, I'm really, like, I've never been able, I think oh, well, short stories are. very hard to do well. They, they are. And, like, yeah. I think, like. It's almost in my mind. It's like I mean, you have to put basically everything that's in a novel in a, mm-hmm. in, in a shorter yeah, package. Yeah, it has to be compressed. And it has, and, and, but all the pieces have to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, point of view, as you said, um, desire, yeah. psychological need, moral need, all that stuff has to be part of it. Yeah. But it's just in a smaller package. It has to be almost like a slice of life. And I, I, I respect it. I've just never been able to do it. Listen, I've heard Yang, uh, or I've read an interview with you where you said how much research you do for each story. Can you yes. talk about that a little bit? Oh, yeah. So I, this collection, I just um, I know these people. Yeah. And I want to write about defining moments of their lives. So I had a metaphor in mm-hmm. place, yeah. which is actually the title. Then I just went out of my way to do the research. Well, the first story, Pining Yellow, I read like 20 nonfiction books yeah. on dogs. And, uh, you know, I watched the dog themed films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never had a dog in my life. Oh, yeah. So I want to become that boy. Um, he's eight years old. <laughs> That's amazing. And I just kind of built a world, uh, like a movie set, so I can, you know, inhabit that world and live his story and see everything through his eyes. I want to become that character. Can I say, the way you're talking about this, it's. Um, you know, some writers are just, you know, all in their heads and they're very creative and that's all they are. Mm-hmm. And some people are very logical and they write in a very logical way. And it seems like you can have the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. You come into it with this very sort of um, regimented mm-hmm. way of doing it. But at the same time, you and you give yourself all the knowledge and information you can and yeah. then you start to play. Oh, and that's where right. the creative st- side comes into play. It's really remarkable to see that you, you mastered both. Oh, thank you so much. You're a psychologist. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was yeah. just thinking that. I was like, oh, we know how to talk about stuff. Oh, no, I don't. I just literally am making it up as I go. Don't tell anybody. But I I guess I want to do justice to people. And uh, I always want to write something real. Mm-hmm. For me, realism is, you know, it's sacred. Yeah. I mean, Victor Hugo, yes, is romantic, but it's also very much realism yes right it's yes it's the height of french realism in so yeah. many ways and looking at each little detail of a person's yeah. life and their motivations even in the smallest desire like he wants the glass of water you know i mean <laughs> yeah the desire it's right there and that in a, when you have that in a short story that's what makes a short story feel so compelling yeah uh, i couldn't tell you you know this this sewage scene in the yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it haunted me for many, yeah. uh, all my life. You know, I was like in the sewage, you know, escaping from. Well, there's there's the, obviously some some uh, parallels there for you in terms of in the way that you kind of escaped and yeah. you know, that that sense of running and that sense of fleeing and the sense of trying something new and getting away. Yeah. You know. And also maybe even revolution. I mean, uh, really, Tiananmen Square was Lemus in some ways. Oh yeah. You yeah. know, How this, old were you when, when that happened? Tiananmen Square? Yeah. I was 18. Wait, yeah, I was 18. What did you see at the time? I was not on Tiananmen Square, mm-hmm. but I saw the countrywide movements. You did? Everybody was on the street, and, uh, and we had hopes and dreams. Mm-hmm. And it seemed so palpable. Uh, it's so yeah. possible, yeah. and uh, the whole world is watching. We yeah. feel like this is really crossroad, and we're going to cross it this time. And yeah. We were oh. completely, completely crushed. Yeah. 
And you know, looking back, I thought that was just not possible. But at the time, we didn't know. <laughs> but you never know. I feel like you never know in history what's going to happen. I mean, I remember being in a history class in college and having a history professor say, we never learn anything from history ever, but the one rule will never break is we will never allow Germany to reunify. That will never happen. Oh. That's the one lesson we've learned from history. <laughs> and it was like three years later. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> that that the Germany, wall came down. Yeah, the wall came down, yep. Germany, Germany reunified. And, you know, you just, I mean, I often think that you don't know where good or bad comes from in history. Like you think of these noble movements that came out of terrible things yeah. or a st- like things that seem so high-minded and turn so sinister. Um, I mean, it may be that Tiananmen Square is still the seed in China. It's possible. Gonna, I mean, maybe. it's totally true. I mean, you look at like, um, what is it, the, the Arab, uh, Arab Spring? Right. You know, exactly. Yeah. Some and, and some of those countries are doing better than others now, but Egypt has sort of fallen back into its old ways. And it's, you know, there's, I think, change is incremental sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, but the sad thing is that after TMS, because the political reform was kind of like on its way. Yeah. But after the TMS Square, there was just crackdown. And uh, it just no turned into it. This, yeah, it was gone. And uh, the people have changed since then. They just turned it material material wealth and uh, yes yeah. oh totally the, you know it's okay to be brainwashed if we have money just it's, it's okay. yeah brainwashed bring the cash <laughs> yeah i mean that's the american way as well that's, i'm sure it's we're a different kind of many ways now. of course it's, it's just a different kind of propaganda right i mean yeah. whether it comes uh-huh. from um advertising or the mm-hmm. government or women can't be engineers yeah, exactly right. yeah, you know exactly. study math Mm-hmm. You know, but I have a lot of hope in the grassroots activists. Right I do now, too. A lot of environmentalists are doing very important and dangerous work. Yeah, of, you know, trying and to... in China too. Yes, in China. That's especially, what you're talking about. That's you know? so exciting to hear. Yeah, yeah. You know, I am um, my my past mm-hmm. was as a Waldorf educator, and there's actually a huge Waldorf movement in China. Mm-hmm. And, really? Yeah, I had no idea. And it and. They are pretty subversive. I mean, I maybe shouldn't even yeah. be talking about it, but it's amazing to me what they're doing on the ground is incredible. Yeah. Um, so many, so many good people in the world. Really, it can be so depressing, but I know there's yes. so many good people. Yeah, and Chinese people are so resilient. And uh, right, yeah. I mean, it must be maybe Hard with India <laughs> the the longest continuous culture in the world. I would yeah. think. Um, so, but your sons are growing up here. They have American childhoods, American yeah. adolescence. Mm-hmm. How is that for you as their parent? <laughs> is it well, fun? not easy? I'm yeah. sure not. Uh, I'm in the middle. <laughs> as the parent of a teenager, yeah, teenagers. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my mother lives in Berkeley, so I see her regular, you know, all the time. Yay, Berkeley! Yeah, and uh, she kind of still expects me to be the Chinese daughter. Right, <laughs> and she? I am. I am Chinese daughter. Yeah. But I'm the American mother to my children, and now they're teenagers. They just have this, you know, they're independent. They're gone. They, they don't right. They don't care about my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> they well, do. They just don't know how to express them. Yeah. They're too busy. I think. Yeah. In China, you know, you're not yeah. supposed to be so preoccupied with yourself. Yeah, Even correct. though you know this generation is called um, the young, the little empress. Yeah. Oh right. But still. You know, um, the your parents' generation, they give you, they kind of put the burden on you and you answer to them. You don't yeah. answer to yourself. So I guess that's I gotta, very different from American society, right? Where kids, I know it's, it's immoral to be, to be 
imposing your will on your children. Oh, I, these days it with it. With, right. I mean, uh, in some level, it's considered immoral. <laughs> yeah, because in China, there's no religion. Uh, right. You answer to the parents. Here, you answer to Yuck. a higher power. Right. It's, it's... Or if you're my kid, you answer to nobody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, but I think about um, what I think my kids are thinking and what it turns out they're thinking often oh, amazes really? me. Yeah. Um, yesterday, my son, who's in college, texted me about a book that I had given him two years ago that I really thought he had been like, ugh, this thing. Yeah. Put it in the shelf, never looked at it. Mm-hmm. He forgot to take it with him, asked me if I would send it. And I thought if he, ha- if I didn't know that, I would think he had no interest in that at all. I'm curious, what book was it? Um, it was called The um, Explorer's Sketchbook. Okay. And it's, a, it's a history of men and women explorers all over the world who kept watercolor and sketches of before photography oh wow um it's a beautiful book that i thought he had zero interest in and had never looked at but he had looked at it it had made an impact on him he really liked it it. he wants it it. yeah Yeah, you know i just didn't know because he's not communicating with me (laughs) i completely agree with you i think the fact my son's trying to ignore me is actually just act yes and the other day he played his playlist for us his music Mm -hmm. we will think he will be completely different from our taste but surprisingly enough, it sounded just like the songs we played in the 80s. Oh, wow. The rhythm sound exactly the same. So I was shocked. I was like... They pick up, they pick up things. And yeah, yeah they're, 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 I love that. That's but they really... have to act independent because there's no way for them to become independent if they don't And they have do to push away from you. For yeah. this society, yeah. they have to, yeah. right? That's so, true. I think. They, they do. Yeah. They need to find their path. And what about as a... So you work full-time yes right as an engineer still yes and you have two books out and yes. you are a parent when do you write a good question yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna take notes <laughs> yeah. on the weekend mostly mm-hmm. um it's very very tough it's very slow going yes but it also keeps me sane because my life is so crazy and the we world is so crazy we and uh if i don't have something for myself i i feel very depressed you know Mm. And this is just for me to indulge myself. <laughs> but it's not. Because you're sharing it. And, right. And it, it's are... not an indulgence when you are publishing books, right? That's... Now you have a responsibility well, to us. I... <laughs> <laughs> now it's work. Yeah. I. So, you know, during the weekday, I'm just busy with my life. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, no time for writing. So when you dive back down into the book, because uh, I was moving along, moving along, moving along in the book. Then I had to go away for a week, came back, and it was so cold that it mm-hmm. took me three days of really all day long for three days trying to, like, pick the threads back up again. Mm-hmm. Isn't it cold every time you come back? How it you- is. But, you know, I have always worked because I was yeah. a first-generation immigrant. <laughs> right, 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 right. I had no choice. Even during my MFA days, I only wrote on the weekend. Oh, my gosh, really? Yeah, but I kind of tried to keep it warm. Uh, so basically on Sunday, I stop. And uh, then during the week, I'm just trying to, it's like a break from the writing. Yeah, yeah. I treat it as a break. Uh, I, th- I think I hold my writing life very dear and it's very important to me, even though it's very short. Right. So by Friday night, I already try to relax into my other persona, who is Love not, that. who's not the, um, you know, Mm-hmm. The easygoing and even tempered, organized person that I am in real life. I just want to be a little bit, uh, you know, more free. And I ignore all the housework 
and uh, schedule appointments as much as I can. It's not possible to avoid. So do you do you have a space like a kind of a sacred space for you, right? Like do you have an office? I close or? my door. Yeah, isn't that amazing? <laughs> that yeah. helps. Yeah. No, but no, your I, family, your family, by maybe your example or what you've insisted on, respects that closed door. Uh, not when they were little. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what I was wondering. Right. Yeah. But um, even oh, when yeah. sometimes I couldn't <laughs> close the door, I try to keep my mind closed. Yeah. And I, yeah, I go into my writing cave for one day yeah. or a little over one day a week. And over time, and it just adds up. You know what? That's really worth people hearing. That is absolutely right. Just finding that time and that space, even if it's just for an hour or two. You know, there's this writing practice that mm-hmm. I really prescribe to that even if... Um, yeah, even if you're not able to write um, for long stretches of time, even writing 15 minutes a day in the morning sometimes is, is enough to keep that 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 mm-hmm. habit going and move things forward just a little bit. Um, yeah. It's it's always good, and you've been doing that in in a different way, mm-hmm. you know, over the weekends for the last umpteen years. Yeah, 20 years. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So, did your kids play sports? Yes, that was the thing that killed me. That when... killed my weekends. Exactly, for many many yeah. years. Right, and the, I think the thing that truly killed for me is how much I enjoyed it. I know, same. Yeah. I know it's so funny you'd say that. I used to. Lo- my daughter yeah. played on a traveling soccer team, and I really enjoyed going. Yeah. If I took my laptop, I couldn't take my laptop. I yeah. couldn't yeah. even. You know, I was completely in the game. Same. I was cheering for them, and I felt it, you know. Yeah. And that actually killed the writing for me <laughs> number of years. It's, it's the same for me because I worked when my kids were little full-time and yeah. tried, to, just what you said, to I would get up early and try to write, and I would think, oh, on Saturday, that's when I'll have a lot of time to develop yeah. something. But it never did because I would always be doing something like that. You know what? And I'm on the, you know, I always feel incredibly guilty. You Which know, way? closing the door and oh, actually yeah. working. Yeah. You know, I have an eight-year-old now and a six-year-old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, um, yeah, it's, it's it, I always, when I sit down to work, it, it is, it's, it's work, but it's also enjoyable, but it's also really, I feel com- completely guilty that I'm neglecting all these other things. And I think that, yeah, same. you know, it's, 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 it's mm-hmm. hard. I think we have to get out of our own emotional way sometimes to, 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 to work. Yeah. But I think it's okay to stop writing for a while. I think you should permit yourself to live. You know, I, I love hearing you say that. I, I have a job and have a family because I wanted to. I right. I never wanted to think I was forced into this. Right. And I, I write because I wanted to. And uh, I think, you know, publishing is a long journey. It's really hard. And even when you have a good book, perfectly ready to go, it's not going to oh, get picked up. right away. Right. So if you let that get you down, you can stop writing. Mm-hmm. It happens but, all the time. Yeah. yeah. People stop for that reason. Right. But if you're living your life. And you won't have, you know, you won't just live in disappointment. You're moving forward. And mm-hmm. I think life enriches you and replenishes you. And, of course, it distracts you and takes away all your time, drains you. But right. um, you, you have to live. I think a writer who is afraid to live uh, must be missing something. <laughs> I, I don't want to be judgmental, but... No, honestly, what I you're saying you. is absolutely beautiful. And I, you know, it's interesting. I've had these thoughts... I think we all do in some mm-hmm. way, but actually, like the way you articulate it is incredible. Oh, I mean, you. you said like fifteen things that kind of want to get tattoos. Maybe you need <laughs> to write a writing book. Yeah, yeah. No, seriously, like I'm, the philosophy uh-huh. of a writer. 
Does that make dream me? No, <laughs> no, no. no. Well, yeah, tell story. Yeah, 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 the first, cha- yeah, the first chapter. You. Don't write. <laughs> Thank you so much. You guys are so great. But it, I do think that's a really important message to hear because I know when my children were little and I was working full time, yeah. I felt sometimes such despair. Like I had lost this part of myself that I held so dear. Mm-hmm. But if I could have, and I think about it now too, if I could have just relaxed and thought, I'm just going to enjoy this as yes. it's happening right now. Yes. And it's all good. Maybe I'm just going to read a ton. Right. I wish I had just... Been yeah. able to do that. You shouldn't uh-huh. guilt yourself at all because right. my kids are teenagers. What's the past 13? They used to sit on my lap. I know. They don't they care used to at sleep all. with me. Yeah. yeah. And like, I couldn't even get them out of my bed. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Lee, that now this weekend I wrote all, I was going to go away for the weekend to write. And mm-hmm. I, my husband ended up going away and I realized I could easily write with my daughter home because she literally never came out of her room. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, what time? Yeah. I had to make her, well, I had to make her come out on Saturday night to go get dinner with me. And that's the only time she even, I think, left her room. Wait, how old is she now? 17. I have to wait that long. Yeah, I know. It's a long time. Well, it starts <laughs> before that. So I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm it's, kidding. It's 13. It's like yeah, the exactly. light switch turn off. It's They're right. gone. It's right. It's Emotionally. True. It's true. Yeah. They're gone. They're gone. And yeah. they just, it's like they've had some kind of um, uh, electric connection to you or something. Yeah. And it's just been like the switch has gone. Oh, now and I'm they're sad. like autonomous. So now I know. I'm feeling guilty. But no, you should feel the opposite. Go yeah. I, I actually feel sad. I feel very nostalgic. And like, I do you too. Know, I'm a, my husband just devastated yeah. because he took the boys to the sports, you know, um, yeah. like every weekend uh, we were busy on the, busier yes. on the weekend. Yes. Than the oh, weekends. same. Yeah. Just so tired all the time, but now they're gone and uh, we cannot have those years back. It's right. your life. I know. You that's know? So smart. It's your youth. It's everything, you know, and uh, just enjoy it. Uh, don't, don't let it guilt you because no. you can write and just, I want you to pay her afterwards. I'm going what to. What is your hourly yeah, rate? Yeah, what is your you hourly rate? This is great. Yang. You're my therapist. No, your hourly You need to pay your hourly rate to Yang. Oh, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying. I totally will. I will. I'll give you twice. That's amazing. Because, I mean, that is such good advice. It, it's hard in the moment. And I used to hate it when my kids were little and people would say to me, you know, oh, they grow up so fast. And I think, I haven't slept in three days, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel the exact same way. But now it does feel like it's so fast. And, yeah. yeah. But I would insist sounds education get your education early yeah yeah yes yeah. i agree with you yeah I when agree. i was um when i was in my early 20s i want to do um study writing and people were just ridiculing me say yeah who are you you know you, you can't even speak english and uh, really yeah uh of chinese uh my fellow immigrants yeah uh, they were just like, oh, what are, you, are you kidding yourself? <laughs> you know, and you have to raise a family. You, you know, yeah. why don't you do that when you retire? Ah. <laughs> That's the worst advice, though. Yeah. That is the worst advice. Yeah. People wait till the very end. So, That's yeah. right. Time, quote unquote. So I know how short life is. I don't know why I knew that. But uh, yeah, Whoa. I was always just in a rush to get things done. So I'm like, I'm just not going to be friends with you anymore. <laughs> I never listened to them. I didn't tell my parents. I think that was kind of a little extreme because, you know, they will say, why don't you go find a boyfriend? You know, all that. Yeah. I'm like, it's not your business. Yeah, <laughs> wow. So I yeah. didn't spend any money in my um, early, you know, twenties. I spent all my money on education. That's amazing. Yeah. I got my, I paid for my own education. I had, you know, I'll stay tuition and I had no oh, right. zero financial aid. I came with a hundred dollars. Oh my gosh. Wait, how did you do this? I just yeah. assumed you had a scholarship or something. No, <laughs> I got a what? loan, personal loan from yeah. my, oh my uncle. God. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, I think by the end I finished with my first degree, I had a 13,000 debt. Wow. I paid off in first year. Yeah. Cause yeah. I was an engineer. You're an engineer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, I just save money and I don't spend money and I spent all my money on education. 
So I went back to get my BA. Mm-hmm. Then I got my. I'm like, I want more. <laughs> no, it's it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then I went to Boston College for my MA. That's yeah. expensive. Oh wow! It yeah, Boston that College. Was a, that That's was great. Yeah, that what was year? expensive. What year were you there? Uh, 1996 to 98. Okay. Yeah. But I was like, oh, I don't want to do criticism. You know? Yeah, I was yeah. Like, it's, I, I don't want to treat this as a job. I want to something mm-hmm. that something I truly love. I want to do, and I can do criticism. <laughs> so I, I was like, oh, what else is out there? Oh, there's something called MFA. MFA. <laughs> I, I just had zero guidance, you know, and I somehow I. You've done great, though. You figured this out. Uh, yeah, somehow I figured it out. I'm like, if someone, you know, guide me a little bit, I could have taken a straighter path. <laughs> I but, know. I think that, too. But is that true? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I had nobody who, had who no guided me at all. I, I mean, I think through my 20s and early 30s, I had no idea what I was doing. And it, part of figuring out who I was as a writer and as, as a human being was stumbling. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So That's I said sure. on the MFA. Yeah. Then I feel I'm done. I'm good. Then I could go writing, and I I did my writing. Where'd you do your MFA? Uh, University of Arizona. Okay. Yeah. It's so great. you've been all over. Yeah, I lived in four corners of country. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't live in the South, but I lived in you know, Florida, um, Boston. I lived a little bit in Seattle, and my husband worked for. Oh my gosh, Microsoft. that's amazing! And I went to Tucson. I love Tucson. Do you? I'm lately Arizona just keeps coming up for me. Really? Like I, I feel like I need to go. Just visit. You know yeah. what? Check it out. I want to check it out. Yeah. How was how was that? I loved Tucson. Oh, you did? Yeah. Interesting. Because it's a college town, I guess. And right. And also, they have cool. a great writing program. It's fantastic. Yes, it was fantastic. I, I met so many mentors. Who did you study with there? I studied with uh, Elizabeth Evans. Mm-hmm. She's so amazing. And uh, Barbara Kingsolver. Oh, I've heard so of her. She yeah. was teaching there? She taught I, a semester. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. What was she like? She she was awesome. She's um, she's very, you know, business like about writing. Mm-hmm. She's she's not sentimental about it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she was like a single mother of two or something. When her she story started. is very unique. You know, her yeah. story like I've heard. She, you know, what was her first book? It was um, Bean Trees. Bean I think. Trees. Yeah, I think you're right. And like. Someone asked her one time, like, how many rewrites did you have to do? And she's like, none. I just wrote it once and turned it into my publisher, and she published it. So I, I used to hang on to Barbara Kingsolver's story because yeah. it was that she wrote it once, and she finished it and then went into labor with her her first child. <laughs> yeah. And I had interest in my – I wrote a novel. It was not published. Yeah. But um, I had interest by Rand, someone at Random House wow. in it, and I finished it, sent it to Random House, and mm-hmm. went into labor within 24 hours. And I really – yeah, I was like, I'm living the dream. It's perfect. And then Random Towns didn't take it. <laughs> oh, no. And then I was too busy to work on it. Yeah, that's right. Um, Did you do it without an agent? You just handed it yeah, to Random Towns? They, they said, you have an agent? I said, no. And they said, uh, well, just send it to us and let's see. I mean, I didn't know anything. I was very young. But anyway, that didn't happen to me at all. And it took me another I don't know 15 if that's, years. I always, I'm a little skeptical of that story. Not, not yours, oh, but, yeah. but of, uh, of oh, why they, uh, oh, Beverly like, King's Lovers. Okay, yeah, yeah I know. King's that's Solvers. hard to imagine, right? Because I don't know. But then again, it was a different time so i don't know yeah i don't but know either good. yeah but i remember reading um high tide in tucson when i was teaching at portland state yeah i had a similar thing sort of to victor hugo barbara kingsolver was my victor hugo i um it came out and i had never seen essays that were kind of like personal yeah. essays yeah 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 but were about other things at the same time and mm-hmm. i was so into that book and uh, yeah it helped me turn it on fiction isn't it great yeah. i love it when that happens Those yeah performative yeah it's just a beautiful writer beautiful person so nice what a great combo yeah 
And she has very simple、uh, writing style. She has her way of going about writing, and that's how she does it. She does, yeah. So, what do you feel you got from the MFA as a writer, and what do you feel you got as a professional? I actually completed this collection、yeah. in my MFA. You did.、Yeah. That was that long ago. It was that long、wow. ago. But you know, they're solid pieces, obviously. Yeah, and, and Barbara Kinsova loved my work. She said, "These are so ready." And guess what? It took this long, <laughs> but they were ready. Why didn't you send them out then?、Uh, I think I sent out the collection, and they say maybe these stories are too mellow. Oh right, I mean、know? I've had that、yeah. experience too, where they'll just say like, "Oh, these are so quiet, we can't sell them." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or these are so. But、yeah. that's life. Life、right. is quiet. <laughs> right for ninety nine percent of people, you、yeah. hope it's very quiet. And, and I feel you know it's also proof that this story is still relevant. Yeah, they that's, are. That's amazing. That's always relevant because、right. that's how people live their lives. <laughs> well, not only that, but like in general, like the immigrant experience and things like that are, are just—it's so.、Um, I mean,、uh, you know,、uh, relevant now in particular.、Mm-hmm. So I, I think, know it's like increasingly relevant if anything. It Although is. Although it's they really take place in China, so so but still, but like、yeah. the, different perspectives, yeah, yeah, different different yeah. cultural perspectives. That seems to be. In in the era that we live in now, it's sort of like there's a thirst for for that perspective. We need more and more. I think that's true.、So. I think that's true. Yeah. yeah, and also from writing these stories, I look back on my you know earlier work. I、yeah. found those stories, you know,、um, had a primal and a real human need. You、mm-hmm. know, in each of the stories, a primal universal human need. I think if we tell stories like that, the It will always eventually resonate and resonate. Yeah, eventually find the readers. Oh my gosh, that was so beautiful.、Uh, that is the perfect place to end. I think. I think so. That was wonderful. Thank you for coming. Yay!、Oh, thank, thank, thank you so much, Yang. It was, it, it was great to re-meet you after almost ten years. Although I have seen you across the room at readings before, or. or Or openings. Yes.、Um, so <laughs> n- now I'll come up and say hello and remind you.、Um, do you have any upcoming events that you would like to promote right now, or how can people follow you or get a hold of you?、Um, I'm going to fall for the book、mm-hmm. festival on October 11th with Vanessa Hua. Yay!、Oh, nice. Yay! Yeah, I'm so excited. And that's on the East Coast, I think. Yes,、uh, uh, Fairfax, Virginia. Okay. And、um, the other Fairfax. Yeah, <laughs> now I'll be at Boston Book Festival、mm-hmm. on October thirteenth. Fantastic! Then I will have a lit crawl reading with、um, Hazel series. Yeah, on October twentieth, I think it's Red Poppy House. Very exciting! Six thirty. Fantastic! And, and can people find these events on your website? Yes. Okay. And your website is is yanghuang dot com. That's my、uh, name. Yes. Y a n g h u a n g dot com. You're so lucky. <laughs> Straight is yours, Lee Kravitz. Mine is lee daniel kravitz dot com. Yeah. There, there. My name has been taken. So has Larry's many times over. So what? What is yours, Bridget? Mine's bridgetquinauthor dot com. Oh. Otherwise, you'll get the Fox Newscaster. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who has more、uh, more hits? That's what I want to know.、More. I'm guessing she does. There also, little known story was a porn star in the eighties named Bridget Quinn. And that's... oh, that's why you sound familiar.、Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.、Yeah. Cabbies used to ask me on very unsavory questions.、Um, <laughs> I bet. All right. Well, I thank you so much. I would like to thank our producers. One of whom is here, Lee Kravitz,、Hello. also Beth Weingartner and Lori Ann Doyle. 
And thank you so much, Yang. You're so awesome. And I'd like to thank Babylon Salon, the literary series um, that is San Francisco's premier reading series. Yes, it is. Don't tell Liquake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm also reading a Liquake, uh, or I'm giving a presentation on the 16th at the Center for the Book. Ooh, How about you? very nice. This is the one year I'm stepping out. I'm not doing it. I have too much. I'm, I'm more in the process as opposed to uh, I think reading. that's a good place to be. Oh, my, yeah. I wish I had time. Well, you guys, um, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at The Grotto Pod, and you can follow me at Bridget Quinn. Uh, no, at Bridie. Oh, God. <laughs> what the hell is my Twitter handle? Oh, I know what it is. Be Quintrust. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And what about you? Twitter handle is Lee Dan Kravitz. And Yang. Yang writes. Yang writes. All right. I love it. That is the perfect segue to say, you guys, read, write, and just keep working. Mm-hmm.